Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a real fascinating guest. His name is Tony Walker, and he is in the financial services sector. But this man wears several hats. In Kentucky, not only is he a financial advisor, but he's written several books. And he helps people with their retirement planning. He also has a television show, which has 438 episodes in in the lead. And this man has so many hats, yet he loves every day with them. The reason he's on this show is he has a brand new book for children uh, about Tony Baloney and his dog, Cookie. And it's about his adventures. And I'll tell you, Tony sent me a copy of this book before Christmas, and it really was something that all my grandchildren literally loved. When they came over, they wanted to read a a chapter in this. So this book is 31 pages long. It's about Tony Baloney, and we're going to delve into the mind of this artist. Welcome, Tony. Thank you, Dr. Laika. It's a pleasure to be with you. Tell me a little bit about how this book came to be and how this tone, this character, Tony Baloney, came. Well, uh, growing up in the 60s, uh, I really was referred to by my brother and a few of my close friends as Tony Baloney. You know how back then everybody had nicknames, and I really did have a dog named Cookie. And so some of these stories are true. Some of them are very fabricated Uh, I began telling stories to my two grandchildren, Scout and Ivy, who are three and four. And, uh, you know, you go to bed, you read stories. But then I started telling my own stories and making up things and was fascinated at what really drew their attention to certain stories. Then I started telling about my childhood and my mother, Ma Joe, and Papa Dick, my father. And I I could just tell I think I was on to something. And the sillier these stories got, the more fun they had. And I just decided to write a book with their help, quite frankly. I'd written several books before, so I knew how to put a book together. But I, I, quite frankly, I've been, I just did this out of passion. And I said, we'll see what happens. But I've been shocked at the response and just very appreciative and having a lot of fun with it, quite frankly. Now, I understand you being able to do some things with this book as well, that you've also uh, started to uh, have a theme song for that. Is that correct? Yeah, so I've really always wanted to, I love cartoons. Uh, they, I've watched them watch cartoons, so I've been paying close attention to them as to what types of cartoons three, four, five-year-old kids like. So I said, well, I'm going to do a cartoon. So I've got an animation company working on a five- to six-minute cartoon that should be done around May. I mean, it's a very involved project. But in the meantime, one of my clients, who's a very, very talented musician, he and I were talking the other day about this, and he said, well, I, I can lay down a track for a theme song, so uh, I think you've got that theme song. We'll get it to you. But 
uh, just playing around with it. And just what little he's already done, Dr. Leica, has even fueled my fire for this thing even more. I just think it's going to be so cool, so entertaining, and quite frankly, kind of a legacy I hope that I can leave behind for years to come for kids to enjoy. So, Tony, tell me a little bit more about yourself. You are in the financial services business. Now, you certainly are not in the financial services business in the traditional way. You're in the business of helping people, and you're also in the business of entertaining people. Is that not right? I think you're exactly right. Uh, Looking back over my childhood, even my dad was a great entertainer. He was in the mental health field for years, uh, social worker, ran a mental health institution in areas in Lexington and Bowling Green, Kentucky. But he was also a musician, a very good musician. Uh, He played in the UK marching band back in the 50s. In fact, he liked to tell people he played for famous coach Bear Bryant, but he never told him he was in the band. I thought that was kind of funny, but that's when Bear Bryant coached UK. My mom was a musician. They played all the time. So I watched my dad, and he was quite the entertainer, and I've I've realized he made up some for his lack of musical skills sometimes with entertainment. So I think in this business, I've tried to make it fun, entertaining. A lot of my clients are very uh, middle-class type people, grew up like I did, And uh, I think they want to have a little bit of fun. You know, it's a very serious world we're in, and we could be serious about their money, certainly. But I think we also like to have fun with our clients. So, yeah, that's that's kind of my personality. Yeah, and I I think you and I agree that life is too short not to have fun. I think all of us have to have fun along the way. I would agree with that. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I grew up in an environment really looking back. I was a lower middle class kid, but... You know, my grandparents, I spent a lot of time with them. My uncle was hilarious, Uncle Eddie. Uh, So I've always just appreciated a sense of humor and having fun. And uh, yeah, so that's just my personality. I wrote a book called The Worry-Free Retirement. Actually, in that book, one of the chapters was just have fun. And uh, I think you need to in life. Yeah, and I think that's the problem people have along the way. They're always saving for that next year. They're always saving for that, the retirement, that they forget that there's fun to be had along the way. Yeah, my latest book I wrote before Tony Baloney was called Live Well, Die Broke. And one of those chapters dealt with that very thing that uh, many of my clients I've noticed because I have so many retirees are waiting way too long to spend this money. And then they either fall into poor health or pass away. And then it's kind of all for naught. So, uh, in fact, one of the books, my mom is, still lives in the same house I grew up in where Tony Baloney and Cookie grew up in. She has very little money. My parents divorced when I was young. But I tell you what, there's a chapter in that book called Life is Too Short to Eat Cheap Bacon. And she will get off her wallet to buy good bacon. So I think everybody also needs something they can spend and kind of enjoy their money with. Hers happens to be good bacon. And one of my professors used to have the philosophy, life is too short to have cheap wine. So it all depends what what really you're into. <laughs> uh, it, it was funny. My professor that did this was in Minnesota. And, you know, Minnesota is part of the, the shield. Uh, the And his whole winery was in the basement. And he did some radioactive testing and this whole winery was radioactive. <laughs> so well, that was probably a good, good vintage then. I, I, yeah, yes, I'd like to try you know, that. You know, it's probably a, a, a rare vintage that no one else could say they had. 
So let's go into you a bit more. Tell me a little bit more about your financial company and what you do to help people. Yeah, so a long story short, um, I never really thought about getting in the financial world. Actually, um, I had a double major. Just I was one of those five-year college students, didn't know what they wanted to do since my parents and my father specifically, and even brother had gone into social work. I thought I might want to do that. I, so I ended up with a degree in psychology, and then I always liked broadcasting. So I have a broadcast journalism background, which both of those actually, now that I'm in the financial world, have bode well for me. At the time, I thought, what am I going to do with these degrees? Fortunately, uh, my high school sweetheart and wife at the time in 1984, her father seeing that I was out selling radio ads and not going anywhere with this broadcast journalism degree, offered me a job in his financial services company and kind of just put the hook in me. I think deep down, I've always been good with math. Uh, I enjoy communicating with people. And I, that's just where it all started in 1984. I've been on my own, left the family business in 1989 and just been trucking ever since. Exactly. That that's that's good. So are you where are you located? So we have offices in Bowling Green, Kentucky, which is about 60 miles due north of Nashville, literally right up the road. Offices in Louisville, Kentucky, and then an office uh, in Lexington, Kentucky, my hometown. So I spend a lot of time between all offices. In fact, last night, yesterday I was in Louisville, Lexington, drove back to Bowling Green late last night and here we are. So uh, I, I still at this age enjoy working very hard and um, enjoy what I do. I'm very thankful I'm in a job that I enjoy doing this much and also get paid well to do it. Pretty good combination. Excellent. Now, how many employees do you have? So in Tony Walker Financial, that's the company, uh, besides my myself, there are 14 full-time employees uh, three other salaried fiduciaries. I'm a fiduciary. And then the rest of just service, uh, I call them service experts because we do such a good job of servicing the needs of our clients. Then I have a separate production company called Worry Free Productions, which we do our own TV show every week and radio show. And I have two full-time employees there that do all the videography and editing and put everything together there. And then technically, Worry Free Productions is an ad agency I created so we could do our own media buying. So I have a full-time person that goes to all the different TV stations and radio stations and negotiates those so we can keep the commissions that normally the ad agencies we found were, were kind of taking from us. So we we do everything in-house. Cool. Now tell everybody about your TV show. Yeah, it's called The Worry-Free Retirement. It's a 30-minute full-length show. Uh, we have uh, seven TV stations, all the major networks throughout Kentucky pretty much. And it's really geared, I always say this trademark is helping savers worry less about money. Uh, we don't work with what I call investors and speculators. Uh, with my psychology degree, I went back to Western and hired some of their psychologists to come up with something called the three personalities of money. What I found was everybody was getting lopped into the same area. And to me, most people are not investors and speculators. They don't understand money. They're savers like my granddad was. And they want things safe, simple, uh, very easy to understand. So this message that's on the word for retirement tends to be geared towards them. And really, when you think about it, since Wall Street controls so much of the financial narrative, a lot of people don't hear a lot of the information we're sharing. They're hearing more about stocks, bonds, hanging there with the market crashes and stuff that my clients don't want to hear about, quite frankly. Now, tell me, there is supposedly a recession come on this year. How afraid should people be about that? 
Well, I think if your money's at risk, and especially if you're near retirement, again, most of our clients are nearing retirement, and you're not an investor, I kind of like to quote uh, famed investor uh, John Bogle, and he used to say this, if you go to bed at night, and realistically, let's say you think the market could go down 20%, and you're going to lose sleep over that, you need to make a change, and I agree with that. So most people right now, I just go with what they're nervous about. If somebody tells me they're very nervous about the market, We'll move them into CDs, short-term annuities, whatever we've got to do to help them sleep better at night. So I, I go with the persons. I don't try to speculate about the market or what the economy might do. I do think we're in for a tough year coming up. So, uh, yeah, I've got a lot of money in a safe position that hopefully uh, is is not going to go down much if we have another market correction. Exactly. I, I think what happens with all these people is that uh, – I find the news a scary place to be. And they're always telling doom and gloom stories. So they're always trying to scare you. And that's the space they try to get you in. So the average investor really doesn't understand what's going on. Yeah, fear and uncertainty, if that's the message, creates a lot of angst with people. So uh, I even had a client once who became a client. He said, you know what? I, I usually watch the news on one of the stations. We come on following the ABC News on Sunday mornings. It's a pretty good time slot, actually. He says, yeah, my father and I sit around, drink coffee and listen to all the gloom and doom news. And then when it's over, we watch you. So I took that as a compliment. And yeah, mine is encouraging people do the best with what you've got. Make sure you keep your fees down, your taxes down, the things that we help them with that we can control to keep more money in their pocket that way, rather than trying to speculate with their money to try to overcome inflation. That's a, to me, that's a no win game. Exactly. And, you know, I, I've been a, a wise investor over the years. And what made me wise was being a bad investor to begin with. <laughs> and uh, what, what, you know, I used to be in mutual funds and other things. And then at one of the crashes around 2008, I, I looked at things and I found one of the smartest investors in the world was a man by the name of Warren Buffett. And so I said, you know, I'm moving all my stuff into Berkshire Hathaway at that time, because I said, if this is all going down, I'm going to go down with one of the best investors in the world. And guess what happened? (laughs) Everything went up in his accounts. He did fine. He knew when to buy. He knew when to sell. He knew when to do the good stuff. So that's what investing is about, is having smarter people than yourself to do the things that you need to do. Yeah, I I agree. I think one of the most foolish things any of us can do is get in an endeavor where we don't know what we're doing, and especially when it comes to our life savings. So you're right. Uh, Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, his partner, who I'm actually uh, actually a bigger fan of Charlie Munger. If you listen to him, he's 99 years of age. The wisdom that man has and they kind of parlay off of each other. It's a it's a uh, it's a huge partnership. And I really admire both of those gentlemen. And, but you're right. They I mean, they know what they're doing and they're buying businesses and understand what to look for in those businesses. They are not speculators, too. So very astute business people. They, they buy things at value and hold on to them forever if they, you know, and it's interesting how their holdings have changed over the years as the world has changed. Like one time, Warren used to be heavily into newspapers. Well, he's not into newspapers anymore. In fact, he thinks newspapers are going to be the way of the dodo bird. uh, That unfortunately, 
There are other ways to consume news now that are replacing it. That's right. And that's just wisdom. I think that's a lot of it is sometimes experience and wisdom is a great teacher and uh, you know, the speculation and things that I see going on. I, I just I'm not a speculator, quite frankly. Now, I will speculate on things I enjoy. Uh, you know, I'm putting a lot of money into this Tony Baloney concept. I put a lot of money into my business, but that's things at least I feel I can do. I feel passionate about it. If it doesn't work out, that's fine. That's on me. But at least I was kind of at the helm, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think uh, you have to decide all the time where you're at and where you want to invest and where you want to do things. You know, I always enjoyed cartoons when I was a kid. I, I don't know about you, but I grew up on road uh, on Bugs Bunny and, and all those sorts of things and Wildy Coyote and all these people in there. I, I grew up on uh, Walt Disney shows and how they really changed my mind and shaped my mind. And now I see my grandchildren being shaped by Walt Disney. Yeah, Walt Disney still, he's probably my favorite character. I've got a uh, thing in my office. It's a picture and it just says vision. And it's a, you may have seen that print. It's a famous print now, but it's got the vision kind of a opaque picture of Disney world in the background and he's standing there. But that, that's what I like to do. If, if, if possible, I like to visualize what things might be and then see if I can create things out of the vision and then just see where it goes. Uh, you know, uh, you and I talked briefly. I know you're up in Canada. I, I went through a program called Strategic Coach for three years and Dan Sullivan out of Canada started that program. And he has a concept called Strategic Byproducts, whereby, and I really believe in it, you start off on a goal or trajectory of something you want to do. And a lot of times the different roads that you'll go down in that journey is really where you were supposed to go and where you find the the greatest good or the most reward. And I've had that happen several times. So that's what I tell people. Sometimes you're going to set off on a journey. It may not be what you thought, but the worst thing you can do is stop. You know, if you find you're going a different direction, uh, as, as Yogi Berra said, if you come to a fork in the road, take it, but don't just sit there. So I've found over time, Jay, I've had my source of flops, but if I keep moving, keep moving towards a goal, uh, usually good things tend to happen. Exactly. Now, part of getting a goal is knowing what your vision is for the future, as you say in that. Is that not the most important thing that you should have in life? I agree. Yeah, I studied. I uh, used to, uh, for a while, there's about a five or six year period of time. I was flying all over the country, uh, strategic coach. Then I flew out to San Diego and studied under Brian Tracy with a program he called Focal Point. Uh, so, yeah, there's differences between resolutions, goals, and visions. So, I think it starts with resolutions, actually. Uh, the late great theologian Jonathan Edwards had 70 of them. I've got 10, but I think you need to be resolved in who you are and what it is you're even here to do while you're on this earth this brief period of time. Then from those resolutions usually stem, okay, where can I visualize or go to accomplish these resolutions? And then the goals come next. I think sometimes people set their goals up. Well, they're not really resolved to do anything. They don't have a vision. And then the goals fail. And they say, well, heck with those goals things. They don't work. Well, they weren't resolved enough or had a vision of what they were even doing to set up the goals. So I tend to set up goals after I figure out what the vision is and what I'm resolved to do. And in this example, it would be the Tony Baloney book. So there was a goal to get this word out there. My publicist found you, and now we're talking about it. Now, where it goes, I don't know. But the point is, the goal is being satisfied, and that's to get the word out of Tony Baloney once I had the vision created and created the book. You see what I'm saying? So that's how I work. 
Exactly. Well, sir, this show is called the How to Live a Fantastic Life show. How do you live a fantastic life? Well, first of all, and I don't want to get into too much religion here, but you got to have faith in something bigger than yourself. And I think everybody gets to that point in life of, you know, what's the meaning of life? What is the real purpose here? And for me, my faith in God starts everything with me. And I realize I've been blessed. My father died at a relatively young age. I've been blessed right now with good health. I have a sharp mind. I love creating things. And I just always wake up being very thankful that I have the opportunity to do these things. You know, a lot of people don't have opportunities. Uh, for whatever reason, I've, I've got this drive and I've got this ambition, for lack of a better word, and I've just continued to remain thankful that I'm able to do things. So I think that's the first part is figure out uh, what, what, why are you here? What's the purpose? You're not going to be here forever. And uh, get with something. Everybody's talented in something. They've got something they can do to not only benefit others, but also to bring some excitement to their life. That's that's just the way I look at life. Excellent. Now, if you met a younger version of yourself on the street, what would you tell that person? <laughs> uh, I think in my younger years, I probably would have told myself to be less cocky. Um, you know, there's a, I even look back, I'm, I'm having a gentleman write a book about my past and the creation of Tony Walker Financial. And there's a couple of things back in my past where I really thought I knew more than I really did. So I, I wished I would have probably been a little less know-it-all when I was younger. And uh, I'm just thankful that I've been able to stay on this road because there was a period of time where I was dead broke and made some major mistakes, even with relationships with people. And I think it was my own cockiness, quite frankly. Excellent. Now, we have 4 million listeners to this show. What do you tell them about living a fantastic life? Well, that's a really good question. I, I kind of think about uh, my my past. First of all, as, as strange as this is going to sound, this it is really not about the money. And I know that sounds weird coming from a financial advisor. And all I do is talk to people about money all day. But if I look back over my life and how I grew up and all the fond memories I had, again, never around anybody with any significant money. Parents divorced at a young age. I spent a lot of time with my granddad who worked for the phone company all his years. Uh, the most fun, the most joy I ever had growing up and really even to this day, fun things I like to do. It really has nothing to do with the money. So remember, money is just a tool to be used and enjoyed. That's all it is. And uh, first of all, if you're making life about the money, I think you'll be sorely disappointed. The uh, great uh, writer Watchman Nee once said, you know, it would be awful to be in life to get to the end of your road and look back and realize all along you've been on the wrong road. So I, I think make sure you stop and see where you are. What road are you on? If it's all about the money, and this is coming from a financial advisor, I think you're going to be sorely disappointed. Exactly. And and I think too many people out there have this concept about money. And it's sad, but this year I saw a headline from CNBC that said over 97% of people are looking for a new job because they want more money. Wow. That I don't think North America has ever been in that situation before. And the question is why uh, you mentioned Warren Buffett. I mentioned Charlie Munger. I was re listening to an, an interview of him and I quoted it on the show. I thought this was really interesting. And he made a comment about our country 
obviously, you know, the wealthiest country still that the civilization's ever known. And he said, what really drives people to do what they do? And he said, the misconception is it's greed. And I would agree with that on the surface, too, that I think it's greed. But he goes on to say he thinks the problem is envy is why people are not happy and they're constantly chasing after more. And I never thought about that. But I think I agree with that. I think we're a very envious people, very jealous people. And therefore, we have trouble finding contentment in anything other than money or what we think other people have. And that's a dangerous, again, that's a dangerous road to be on. And I'm going to try to remember that, too, that am I doing things because I enjoy it and I want to do it and I want to help people? And, yeah, I'll have a nice lifestyle. Or am I doing some of this out of envy? And I hope that's not the case because that's I agree with Mr. Munger. That's a bad road to be on. You know, Harvard offers a course in happiness, and that of course is one of the most sought-after courses in Harvard's history. And what that course, at least a quarter of the course, maybe a third of the course, deals with not wanting. So, in other words, not wanting to keep up with the Joneses. Mm. Uh, so there is a reputed institute uh, speaking on happiness that has come down to the point that they don't think that you should be thinking more about uh, happiness. Well, I certainly want to be happy, but I think that's just it. I don't think people have learned, uh, the Apostle Paul said that, he said he's learned to be content in whatever circumstances he had. So that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, again, we'll use the Tony Baloney concept as an example. And, and again, please don't tell my wife how much money I'm investing in this deal. But if this thing really is a flop, uh, I can assure you the joy I've had in what you just shared, knowing that two, two or three grandkids in Canada enjoyed that book or my kids enjoyed it. I read it to their preschool classes in Louisville the other day. It's not about the money. It's creating something that brought somebody joy that came out of this little feeble mind and was able to find illustrators and people talented to me and this song that they just listened to that can help bring this vision to something that people go, wow, that is really cool. That. Uh, again, that that brings me a lot of happiness. And again, the money, yeah, I took money to do it, but the money itself didn't create any happiness for me. It was the creation of it and watching people enjoy what I'd created. Excellent. Well, thank you for being on this show, Tony Walker. How can people find out more about you, your book, and, and your other services that they that you offer? Well, well, thank you for allowing me to share that. Yeah, so there's probably two websites they might want to check out. There's TonyWalkerFinancial.com, TonyWalkerFinancial.com. Uh, you know, we've got YouTube videos, blogs. All of our shows are on YouTube.com. You could go there and watch any of the shows of the Worry-Free Retirement. And then also, if you want to just check out the Tony Baloney, we've got a uh, some neat stuff on there, an old picture of me and Marty and Cookie back in 1965. But that website is Tony Baloney, and it's B-A-L-O-N-Y, no E, Tony Baloney and Cookie.com. Tony, I can't tell you how much I looked forward to getting you on the show today. And I can't tell you how disappointed I was with the gremlins starting to get in our way. That almost made this show not happen. We almost had a strategic byproduct, didn't we? Yeah, we sure did. Well, thank you again, my friend. You're so welcome, Dr. Lockett. Thank you for having me on. And, and ladies and gentlemen, check out my website, Dr. Ellen Lyka. That's D-R. A-L-L-E-N, Lyca, L-Y-C-K-A dot com, and sign up for a golden pearl. It'll be delivered to your box every Tuesday and hopefully change your life as well. Bye for now. 
You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Laika's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day. Fantastic day.